Hello, and welcome back to this podcast series where we try to cover some of the core concepts it's useful to know about when looking at medicines. At the minute, with the advice on vaccinations potentially changing again in the light of the new COVID strain, I thought we could use the vaccines and discussions about who should and shouldn't get them to talk about qualies, quality-adjusted life years. To do this, we need to cast our minds back to simpler times just a few months ago when decisions were being made as to whether 12 to 15-year-olds should get the vaccine. It hit the news because, well, it's COVID, but it also hung around in the news because of the way the discussion rolled out in the media. First, the JCVI, which is the group that advises on which vaccines we should give to which people, said that they didn't recommend vaccination because the benefits weren't great enough. They were then overruled by the chief medical officers, CMOs, and the government because they said the benefits were great enough. So which is right? Can they both be right? And how are we going to manage to use this to talk about qualies? So first, the facts. What did the JCVI look at when they made their recommendation? Handily, they've published their information online. There's lots of discussion and data, but there's some nice tables at the bottom that give some numbers that we can work with. We like numbers. So with a bit of rounding, we don't need to be that precise we have a couple of figures. For every million 12 to 15 year olds given a full course with no other risk factors for serious disease, you'll prevent 93 coming into hospital with COVID, but you'll cause 51 cases of myocarditis. This really oversimplifies the scenario because there's loads of other numbers too. But if you were the JCVI and basing your decisions on these numbers, what would you recommend? For every million teenagers you vaccinate, you'll prevent 93 hospitalizations, but cause 51 cases of myocarditis. 93 is bigger than 51, so your risk of something bad happening has gone down. The number of children you prevent from coming into hospital is almost double the number who will develop myocarditis. That's an easy thing to quote, and it sounds significant, but we do need to be careful. By doing the tiny bit of maths we did to make it quotable, double, we've lost quite a bit of context. Yes, we prevent double the amount of admissions compared to the problems we cause, but if we don't tell people what it's double of, it's difficult for whoever we're talking to to make informed decisions. If we double 100,000, that's a very different scenario to doubling one. So we need to make sure we're also looking at the magnitude of the benefit, not just its relative size. So in this case, the background risk is really low. Vaccination will only cause 51 cases of myocarditis in a million, and will only prevent 93 hospitalizations in a million. There's probably many more risky things 12 to 15 year olds do each day compared to having or not having the vaccine. So this is why the JCVI made their initial recommendation. Vaccination is better than not vaccinating for the individual, but that benefit isn't so great that it warrants the resources you'd need to put in to vaccinate the whole cohort. They were particularly minded about the impact of a COVID campaign reducing the uptake of the usual flu campaign, for which there is strong evidence of benefit, and it would cost a lot to vaccinate the 3 million teenagers who would be eligible. So why did the government and the CMOs take a different position? Well, they took a different frame of reference for the benefits of vaccination. The JCVI were very clear that they were looking at the health benefits for the individual being vaccinated. They explicitly stated that they were not constituted to incorporate the potential benefits of the impact on education or wider society into their recommendations. They were looking at the specific health benefits of catching COVID versus harm from vaccine. However, the CMOs were looking wider. Yes, the direct health benefits are marginal, but if the vaccine campaign means that schools function better because kids aren't always off, maybe that's better for children's mental health. Or maybe, if kids are vaccinated, then they won't be as worried about giving COVID to their grandma, which might mean grandma gets more visits in the nursing home, which improves their quality of life. Or maybe, if fewer kids catch COVID, fewer parents will need to take time off work to look after them. Because of this, the CMOs decided that vaccination should go ahead. Because A. 
vaccination is marginally beneficial for the health of the individual being vaccinated if they're between 12 and 15, B is highly likely to reduce disruption to schooling, which is good for kids, C is likely to be beneficial for wider society too, and D the cost of providing the vaccination campaign is worth the investment. So what's this got to do with qualities? Well, as you'll have done to death through university and beyond, the way we compare different interventions is by the use of qualities, quality-adjusted life years. These are a way to get around the problem of comparing apples and pears, chalk and cheese, or heart attacks and lung cancer. So pretend you sat on a nice committee. You have one product that means you're 12% less likely to have a heart attack. Another gives you an extra three months of life with lung cancer. You can't afford them both. So how do you compare these completely different benefits? You turn the benefits into qualities. If an intervention gives on average an extra one year of normal quality life, it gives you one quality. If an intervention gives you 10 years of extra survival, but at only 50% the quality, that's five qualities you've gained, a quality adjusted life year. You can then add up all the qualities your treatment gives you, look at how much it costs and work out a cost per quality. That way you can compare all your different treatments fairly. Treatment A costs £10,000 per quality, treatment B costs £20,000 per quality. So fund treatment A rather than treatment B because you get twice the benefit for your money. Or you can be like nice and set a level at which funding is acceptable. Say £30,000 per quality. So far, so mathematical. It might not be a perfect system, but it's a difficult area and you've got to do something. So why do some people really not like qualities? Well, part of the problem is that although they look mathematical and in the world of logic, there's a lot of subjectivity in them. How do you assess that living with a particular condition reduces your quality of life by a particular percentage? You could ask a group of patients. But what if your patient has a different opinion? It leaves a lot of wiggle room for disagreement to sneak in. The other big problem with qualities is that they are limited in scope. The JCVI were looking at the health benefits for the individual being vaccinated and concluded vaccination wasn't worth it. But then the government looked at the wider societal picture and concluded it was. Similarly, qualities are often based on just the patient's condition, not the wider benefit to society. Palliative care treatments are a case in point. They don't score well on a cost per quality basis, as there aren't many life years left to quality adjust, unfortunately. However, they do make a significant difference to the patient being treated and to the friends and relatives that surround them. We shouldn't defund hospices just because they score low on a cost per quality basis. So where does this leave us? It leaves us pretty much where we were. We don't do pharmacoeconomic analyses that often, and it's unlikely we're going to invent a whole new system of assessing benefits of treatments. However, it's worth considering how this thinking might be useful to us as individual practitioners. There may be a treatment that you wouldn't go for yourself, but your patient with their different perceptions of benefits might. Their quality benefit is greater than yours, just like the government perception of the benefits of vaccination was greater than that of the JCVI because of their different frame of reference. Reducing secretions in a palliative care patient doesn't particularly add to their quality of life, but it makes the whole situation better for their relatives. And thinking about the benefits and costs of medicines more broadly, rather than just thinking about the number needed to treat or direct health benefits, can help to understand why some patients and their relatives are keen or not keen on treatments, when on paper, to you, it looks like a no-brainer. And that's it. Hopefully it's been vaguely useful, or at least given you something to think about. The take-home message, to paraphrase the saying commonly attributed to Bismarck, is that qualities are a lot like sausages. You'd be more cautious using them if you saw them being made. Oh, and get your vaccine.